Welcome to IT Visionaries, created by The Mission, your number one source for accelerated learning. On this episode of IT Visionaries, we sat down with David Kung, former Disney Imagineer and Vice President of Product Strategy at Oblong. In this conversation, David shares with us how art intersects with technology, the future of collaboration, and taking the cutting edge of science fiction into the business world. Enjoy. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. The Lightning Platform is a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone is empowered to build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. We have an awesome guest for you today. We're going to be talking about the future of collaboration. We're going to talk about Disney Imagineering, building worlds using our you know, minds to control the future. No, I'm just kidding. David, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. You know, Oblong is, is working on some really cool things and it has a background and a lot of stuff that we love here at The Mission, which is taking things from, you know, the cutting edge of science fiction and putting it into a business use case. Tell me a little bit about your role at Oblong. Yeah, so I'm on the product team. So I lead product strategy for Oblong, primarily focused around our flagship product, Mezzanine, which is a visual collaboration solution. And kind of explain how your background and what you were working on kind of like led you to this path. Yeah. So I have a very odd background and in a way it begins and it doesn't terminate, but it kind of begins and ends kind of wraps around itself at the MIT Media Lab. So I went there for, I was there uh, undergrad and graduate school. And at that time I was in what was then called the interactive cinema group. I've always had a fascination with technology and storytelling and how technology creates new ways for people to tell their stories, but also creates new ways for people to experience stories. And while I was there, I met a gentleman named John Underkoffler, who was another graduate student, and we remained quite good friends. And when he was wrapping up his PhD project, he got hired on to be the science advisor for the film Minority Report. And he was hired at that time to really kind of imagine the future of work really imagining how would people collaborate? How would people work in the future? And so he you know, helped design a lot of the systems there. And so everyone thinks of Minority Report and Tom Cruise, they're orchestrating a big screen of data. And in many ways, what made those scenes so compelling and so I think lasting is uh, he really created something that was very legible. It was very clear what was happening, not just in terms of the gestural interaction, but the whole notion of these detectives had to solve a problem. And to solve that problem, they needed just visual access to a wide diversity of data and the ability to easily present and explore that data, help them understand what was happening you know, at a, at a future crime scene. So what happened was that folks saw the movie, they were like, whoa, that, there's something interesting there. And they approached John to see if he can build it for real. So he started the company, Oblong. And so for myself, you know, John and I were at the Media Lab, then we parted ways and now we've kind of reunited here at Oblong. So from my perspective, my journey then from the Media Lab kind of back to what you can argue is a Media Lab startup has constantly been on this kind of trajectory of technology and storytelling. So 
coming out of graduate school, I was at a short-lived interactive division of, of a production company. This was back in the days of CD-ROM, where people were enamored by being able to fill 650 megabytes of video onto a CD. And so a company, Propaganda Code, that was doing kind of interactive movies that were delivered on CD. Then after that, I was actually back at another Media Lab spinoff. And when I was there, the company was hired to develop prototypes for interactive TV for the Walt Disney Company. And as part of doing that, I later then joined Walt Disney Imagineering, primarily working on what we called enhanced television. So these were web experiences that were synchronized to a television broadcast. So you could play along with Monday Night Football and try to predict the play and do stuff like that. Uh, so there it was just all about how we can enhance the at-home experience of traditional television. So I was there at Imagineering for a few years and then a radical change of path where I then went to the agency world. So I was at Creative Artists Agency and their allegedly new media group later became the corporate marketing group. And still it was all about the intersection of technology and entertainment and, and storytelling. So I was there for quite a few years, then went back to Disney at Parks and Resorts Online, working on the e-commerce solutions. And following that, kind of we got the band back together and here I am at Oblong. You know, I love that from the perspective that your career kind of blends those storytelling aspects and the technology aspects like you talked about, but it also blends, I think, something that is really important for IT leaders, which is like where art intersects with technology and the future of technology and art meaning art and design. Obviously, you know, Steve Jobs being someone who blended that together from the early days at Apple, but as IT leaders are looking at this, like looking at new technologies, one of the things that we were so excited to talk about with you is like what things with UI and UX are the future, like what types of things. And one of the things that you've talked about is the single mouse and screen being the you know antithesis to collaboration is something that Oblong is championing. And it kind of makes sense when you look at it to say, you know, this 2D thing that's sitting in front of you, this square box really isn't that in-depth. And then you look at something like Minority Report or Iron Man, and you see the levels that they can use everything around them. How does that translate into, into businesses and data visualization? Yeah, so I think, like, I bet you any IT leader, if you ask them, you know, it's one of your main priorities to maximize knowledge access and discovery. Is one of your main priorities to maximize the flow of information through your enterprise I bet you 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 IT leaders would say, absolutely, that is one of our highest business priorities. And as a result, they invest in bandwidth, they invest in storage, they invest in virtualization, right? They invest in you know, automation and the cloud. And that makes total sense as long as we're thinking about sort of the flow of information across information systems. But now let's think about, well, how about that flow of information from you know, information systems to people? Right? How do we move from hardware and software to wetware? And if you think about people, just individuals, humans, how do we receive and process information? Well, primarily, right, it's through our eyes, right? Our eyes and ears, but for visual information, it's all about our eyes. And so a big piece that you know, we're trying to focus on is ultimately, if you think especially within a meeting context, is you want to maximize that flow of information. The whole reason you're having a meeting right? It's because you need a diversity of opinion and points of view and knowledge. And that combination of knowledge and knowledge sharing will ultimately let you proceed to your next stage of action or stage of decision or stage of awareness. And so if you think of most modern meeting rooms today, 
right? You have a huge information bottleneck that's hiding in plain sight. And that's that you usually only have one screen to share content. That screen is usually connected to a single device that's shared from a single presenter. And so if you think about it, if you want to have a flow of information within that context, what happens? Well, you either have one person broadcasting information or you have a lot of switching, right? I'm going to speak. Oh, wait, someone else needs to interrupt. They're going to speak. Or some people might be like, you know what? It's such a pain to interrupt. I'm just not even going to participate at all. So when you need the input of everyone, when you need everyone to feel like they're involved, when you need to benefit from the data and information that everyone has, that is exactly the wrong time to force people to take turns, to force a sequential flow of information. One thing we like to say is that with our product mezzanine is as opposed to meetings where you share information slide by slide, in mezzanine, you share information side by side, right? It isn't about a linear structured sequential flow. It's about working in parallel. It's about not seeing one piece of content at a time, but letting people see multiple. And the benefit of doing that is now you're unlocking visual thinking, right? You're authentically thinking in new ways that can unlock insight, that can help drive trust and collaboration. And so a big focus on our standpoint is, yes, there's tons of value in investing in traditional IT infrastructure. If you think about the flow of information, when you think about the flow of information from that IT backend to your end users, to your workforce, you need a new interface. You need a new UI that helps leverage those backend systems, but also our wetware and our cognitive abilities. Our ability to you know, apply visual thinking is hugely powerful. And in many ways, we don't tap that in a traditional meeting room. In my time in the military, we had something called a common operating picture. And yep. it was something that was really complex where you had to combine, you know, troop movements on the battlefield, you had geographical situation, you had overlays, you had all of these different things. And it's essential to to having a holistic approach that you can see everything in real time at the same time, right? Military, obviously, we're really good at that. We have advanced technology. But I think that one of the things that was so interesting about seeing Minority Report, and this was, I mean, this movie came out a while ago, and obviously, you know, as the as the genesis of, of Oblong to taking that sort of thing and bringing it to the enterprise, what's so interesting is that you're combining things like, it's really video, although in the, in the movie, it was like these premonitions, but you're taking, you're combining video with real-time information and data on people's names, essentially is like, you know, lists of people's names and addresses and all that sort of stuff, overlaying that on where you know, those people are in real time. So there's some sort of like geo tracking and then combining that with some level of mapping, dynamic mapping of some kind. Like that's a bunch of different data sources that you could use at the same time. Like, is that ultimately where you're going with Mezzanine or is that is that where you are now? I mean, kind of explain like the long-term vision and, and, and where the product is now. Very much so. It's, it's, you know, the sort of that IT term of single pane of glass. Right? It's almost like what you mentioned in terms of you know, a common operating picture is that you want all your data there and, and visible in front of you. And there's kind of a traditional approach which says, you know what, we're going to throw big iron at it. We're going to harmonize all of our IT backend systems and it'll be beautiful. Right? You spend millions of dollars and three years later, you flip a switch and you, you cross your fingers. And in some ways, you're doing all of that to give you this common operating picture. 
And so you can try to solve it, and, and you should try to solve it, of course, with, with big heavy iron and IT. But a lot of times, it really is about, I just need to see the right stuff in the right context. And I need a team, especially a collaborative or distributed team, to look at the same things in the same way. And that data transport doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, traditional, throw everything into a backend system, right? It could just be, as you said, it could just be video, right? Just that value. And a big part of our vision for Oblong is, you know, by giving you a very large canvas, you obviously can fit a lot of different things, which is great. But we also then allow you to let multiple people freely interact with that canvas. So everyone can participate. They can contribute. There's no notions of passing the ball or granting control. So everyone can, at the flow of a conversation, share an idea, contribute an idea, build on someone else's knowledge. And then we're able to then take that experience in one room and then share it to other rooms and to remote participants. So now suddenly you can be in the airport trying to participate in a meeting and we correct that asymmetry of lack of access to data because when you're on the phone, you're like, what is everyone looking at? As well as the bar to contribution. Oftentimes you might have interesting data you want to share you know, from an airport lounge or what have you, and you can't. So with mezzanine, we equalize those asymmetries. So now anyone has equal access to see what everyone else can see. They can add things that everyone else can see. And when necessary, can even control that visual experience. And so by doing so, now everyone can perform at their best and then everyone can feel fully engaged. As opposed to you see a lot of meetings today where you know, you'll have a bunch of people in a room and a bunch of people on a video call on video mute right? And they're just multitasking and waiting for someone to call their name. You know, that's not really engagement. That's not really an effective meeting. Yeah. I mean, is it kind of like a physical workspace? I mean, or is it a physical meeting room? Like explain the full details on what the product is. Yeah. So I think the, when you walk into a, uh, you know, we do call it a mezzanine room because as much as it's really rooted in the, the traditional video collaboration space, the use of the product really does engage kind of everything that a room affords you. So when you think about mezzanine, what we realized was that if you walk into a mezzanine room and you didn't know it was a mezzanine room, you would think it was a standard video conferencing room. Or you would think it was a standard video conferencing room with just a lot more screens. And what we realized, and, and, and a big part of the vision for the product, is that to have a great collaboration for a team to perform at their best, they need more than just a great audio and video experience. They need more than to feel like they're sitting across the table from someone in a distant location. What they need is a great audio and video experience integrated with a great content sharing experience, right? The ability to bring that knowledge into the room, the ability where everyone contributes their piece of the puzzle to create that common operating picture. And so what Mezzanine does, it works alongside traditional video conferencing, and then we enable multi-stream collaboration. So as opposed to just one laptop that feeds into one screen, we say, you know what? All the screens in the room now become an available canvas, not just for one device, but for multiple devices. So sometimes, you know, one way we describe mezzanine is think of it as a, you know, multi-window controller or an AV receiver with a window manager. Basically, you can come in, any device that you can plug into the room that you can share wirelessly, you can now put within a context where you can see everything side by side. So in the same way, we can sit at our desktops and we get the advantages of having multiple windows so we can multitask, so we can compare and contrast and cross-reference. 
different, you know, different documents or different data sets, we bring that same experience to a room size. So that same experience we might enjoy across the diagonal of a 13 inch laptop, we let you experience across two, three or six screens in a room. And now you, you get an experience which is far more content centric, far more content rich and far more collaborative. So does this plug into like CRM and other types of data sources? Like where does it pull data from? Yeah, so for us really, it is less about, you know, dealing with the IT complexity of, well, how do we get the data flowing out of our backend system into a mezzanine room? We just say, you know what? How do you get to that data? We get to, you get to it from your laptop. Just bring your laptop into the room. Just let everyone see each other's laptops. In many ways, it is the easiest way, you know, to get that data and information into the room. Actually, in our conversations with like NASA, they're a customer. They have, uh, I think, 10 mezzanine systems that help them connect for research labs so that the research scientists can feel like they are collaborating in the same room. And at an early stage in the process, the folks at NASA were, even before they came across Oblong, they were thinking, we have to build an application server because when we connect these locations, our research scientists need to be able to get to their applications. And you know, when we were engaging with them in, in, in the process around mezzanine, they realized, oh, wait a minute, duh, we don't need to build an application server. Just let people bring their devices, let people bring their laptops. Like a lot of times we have customers like who might have a CRM backend and they say, wait, how do I, how do I get that data into mezzanine? And, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, obviously that information is secure someplace. So you must have authentication of some kind. They're like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, how do people authenticate their ability to access that CRM data? Oh, they just log in with their laptop and we just say, well, if their laptop's already there, let's just use that. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I think that, I think that the way that this plays into being able to collaborate in real time. What is on the kind of the roadmap for leaving kind of the two the two dimensional screens? Like what is what's the roadmap look like? Yeah, so if we think strictly in terms of screens or even think about two dimensional screens, you know, for us, and it's interesting because John's background is as a holographer, but for us, we don't really see the the future of of collaboration and especially collaboration when you're dealing with content and data, we see it not really in an AR or VR standpoint, but we almost think of it more as a MR, a mixed reality standpoint. So the notion isn't that everyone's going to be, you know, wearing a helmet or a Google Glass or a HoloLens. It's more, you're going to have teams coming together in an environment where they're surrounded by pixels. And in a way that is mixed reality, right? It's the merging of the physical and the virtual world. So for example, in a mezzanine room, when people see us grab content on a screen on one wall and then drag it to a screen on another wall, like right away, it's like, whoa, how is that possible? But the great thing about it is it is a true mixture of the physical and the virtual space. Now, any surface in the room is a canvas for work to be shared. And we create a user experience that really unifies it and makes it very, very easy for you to spread all your content and put it anywhere in the room from anywhere in the room. And so it's, a, it's almost like, you know, in the pre-digital days, what did we do? We just spread everything out on a big table. We now take that a similar analogy and extend it to the virtual world by letting you sling pixels and data all over the room. How do you think this integrates with voice? I mean, like, obviously, you know, there's a ton of research that 
has gone into developing, you know, Alexa and, and Google Home and all these sort of, I can't say all these <laughs> these things, otherwise they're going to talk back to me in, in, the, in our office here. But, but, you know, all of these different things, there's a ton of investment into voice. And I think I'm really interested to see how voice plays into kind of this spatial technology that you're developing. Yeah, so this isn't a piece of the puzzle that we're working on, but there is a there's a definitive pain point that we see in the visual collaboration marketplace, which is just the whole process of joining a meeting, right? Dialing into a meeting. You know, anyone who's had a fumble with, you know, that remote control where you have to, heaven forbid, enter in an IP address and you figure out what combination of buttons lets you actually just plug in a dot. I think there's huge opportunity to take what we're already seeing with home digital media players where now you don't have to search Netflix or your you know channel guide one character at a time. You can just be like, hey, bring up the Sopranos. I have a feeling that will be coming in a meeting room. So you can walk in and you can say, hey, start my meeting, you know, call meeting room XYZ, and that stuff will just, you know, happen. So I think just easing the ability to connect and get us so we can collaborate more quickly. I think there's there's huge opportunity there for for voice. So how close do you think we are to the I forget which movie. It's one of the newer Star Wars movies where, you know, all of the Jedi are sitting around and they're all holograms, you know, sitting in the meeting, right? Like how close are we to we're all sitting at a table and all of our holograms are at the table but nobody's actually at the table. I think we're still quite a ways off from that. And you know, ultimately I don't know how how effective that particular you know model was. I mean, I think for a certain kind of meeting, it's perfect. So, for example, if you think about you know when telepresence came out, it was amazing, right? And even today, it's still pretty amazing. Like you really feel like you are sitting across from the same table from someone. And so, yes, if you're the Jedi Council, where all you need to do is talk to each other, something like that's perfectly fine. But you know, if you want to deal with data and content, if you really need to make a decision, if you want to understand your situation, if you need to plot a course of action, you need content, you need data, you need information, and that's going to require different technology. And I think that's why you know what we brought in with mezzanine. Sometimes we call it info presence as opposed to telepresence, which is you need more than that great audio video experience, right? You need that content and data sharing experience. Like even you know, if you think about the Star Wars prequels, yes, they can sit around when they just had to talk to each other. But, you know, when they had to go and identify, hey, wait, there's a gravity well there, which leads them to Camino. I'm totally geeking out right now. Um, yeah, yeah, no, right? I love they, it. This you is know, good. Yeah. Yoda, had a, Yoda had a, you know, spray out all the, all the stars for all of them to see, right? They needed data and information at that point. So I think it depends on the use case. If you just want high bandwidth human-to-human communication, you know, maybe something, a hologram or virtual reality can work. But if you want data-centric, content-centric work, I think you need a different approach. Yeah, I love it. And and that's a really good point is even in that, in that to, to further the analogy, even in those situations, you know, at the end of the day, they were taking and displaying like all of the stars in the room. And I think that that is how you can dynamically insert those things into a meeting so that everyone's on the, on the same page. Okay. So let's get into the, let's get into the lighting round here. We want to mm-hmm. uh, want to get through some of uh, our lighting around questions as we as we always do here on IT Visionaries. Are you ready? I I, I hope so. <laughs> I believe so. All right. These are fast and easy questions, just like the lighting platform by Salesforce. Fast and easy. Here we go. What app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Spotify. 
Favorite time saving tool? Oh, favorite time saving tool. Just the uh, oh, multiple alarms on my watch. Well, you said multiple. Do you have an Apple Watch or just regular watch? Yeah, I have an Apple Watch, but I have to wake up at different times on different days. And so it just gets me up at the right time on the right day. Favorite use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently? Yeah, that's a tough one because I try to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> yeah. So, but the last one I experienced was chatbot for customer service with a wireless provider. And I can't say it was my favorite. It did what needed to be done to get the information to the call center. Do you have a favorite team, sports or otherwise? Football, Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, all right. Playing, playing my Raiders, not too long from now. Favorite podcast or recent book? This American Life, my favorite podcast. I was listening to it this morning, an old rerun. Favorite uh, show that you're watching? Favorite show that I'm not watching yet, but I can't wait is I still need to see the premiere of Doctor Who. Very much looking forward to seeing the new Doctor. Oh, yeah. A lot of, man, I see ads for that like every day now on uh, on Amazon. Okay, favorite one-day getaway down uh, in the LA area? See, outside of a good nap, we're going to a Steelers bar, one-day getaway. Well, here's a good one. I guess we're, we're going to be going on a, actually a multi-day getaway, but we're going to go up to Solvang next week. So that'll be a nice little family mini vacation. Okay, what technology are you most excited about for the future, other than what you're working on at Oblong? Probably cliche, but I think AI. I think where that can lead us in terms of automating and getting rid of the kind of the busy routine stuff so we can focus hopefully on bigger, more important problems and solutions. So I'm, I'm optimistic there. Awesome. And uh, last question, any fun trips coming up for the team at Oblong? Absolutely. Next week, we're going to be at IT Expo, Gartner IT Expo in Orlando. So, oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So for any IT visionaries who are listening, who will be down at the show, please come check us out. You can see you know, our visual collaboration uh, experience in person and for real. So hopefully we'll see some of your listeners there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I wish we were going. That would be fun. If anyone, any of the listeners are out there, just hashtag IT Visionaries. We'll give you some love on the missions channels here. That's pretty much it. I, I'm excited for you know the future of AI, getting rid of the mouse. Mm-hmm. I don't even have a mouse. I haven't had a mouse in like two years. I'm excited for what you all are building. And thanks so much for, for taking some time. Cool. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, we'd be happy to come back and you know share more as we develop our product. Very much enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce, a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone can build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps.